Welcome back to the Rosé Ceremony. This is a special Rosé Ceremony in Paradise episode. Uh, it's me, your host, Becky Lang, and Caroline Olstad. Hello. And we've got back our special guest, Jay Gabler. Hello. Hello. So can we now refer to your house as Paradise like they do on the show? Ooh. I think of my house as Paradise. Is Chris Harrison around here? You I would come out now. I would Chris. enjoy my house less if Chris Harrison was in it. <laughs> I'm generally not a big Chris Harrison fan. Is that sacrilege? Uh, I don't think so. I, I feel like you're not supposed to have really any opinion about Chris Harrison, right? Like if he's doing his job, you don't like him or dislike him. Yeah. He's like margarine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's okay with being a little self-deprecating. Yeah. The quality of margarine I really enjoy. <laughs> and like margarine, he's artificially colored. Oh. <laughs> have you like, guys ever seen him on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? No. The show is still on, and he's the host. He's, oh. He seems like a good choice for that. Sure. He has a very Regis quality about him. Mm-hmm. They stand up now. They don't sit at chairs. Hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's a new new uh, decade. You need a younger host for that heavy, heavy <laughs> duty. I feel like all my answers to all of this conversation has been like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, That's how I feel about Chris we're, Harrison. We're uh, <laughs> warming up again. It's been a while. We're we're looking back at the season. Um, we've had a few weeks now to digest it, really soak it in. Yes. yes. Yeah. Read all the blogs. And Rachel and Brian are still together, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I'll assume they're still together, but if they've broken up, I would honestly not be surprised. I saw a headline that was like, Rachel didn't show up to her own engagement party. And I was like, I bet, I bet there's rocky waters with Brian. Or maybe mm. Brian's mom is causing some drama. Well, we're going to get to Bachelor breakups shortly. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk. We're back now as friends with our rosé. We're going to talk about the end of The Bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay's season, the epic emotional finale. finale. Okay. <laughs> Let's go around, do some hot takes. Caroline, okay. what, did, what did you think? Um, I suspected that Eric would come in third, and I'm hoping he's the next Bachelor. Um, the Peter breakup, I think, was the realest breakup we've ever seen on the Bachelor franchise. Um, I feel like everyone I was watching it with, we were all just, like, like mouth open, like, I don't know. It was just really real. I feel like people who have gone through a bad breakup can, like, related to that scene where oh. Rachel cried her eyelashes off. I was kind of mean when Peter was like, her eyelashes have been in my lobby for, like, days. Oh, I thought that was sweet. Oh. I thought I thought that was him, like, saying, this, like, affected me so much that I couldn't even, like, touch her. It was too emotional for me to, like, pick up her eyelashes. Oh, oh. yeah. Maybe that's what he meant. Yeah. That's why it's good to have a, a man, too. <laughs> yes. Um, Give us the um, man take. The take. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. That was a very a very real feeling breakup. And as highly artificial as so much of this show is, every once in a while, there's like a fight like that where you're like, wow, that really, that, you know, poked places that I've like felt poked in breakups before. And mm-hmm. definitely in that case, what really like, where the moment where I really felt like that was the case was when... He sort of like said something and she was like, well, I guess we're, you know, at an impasse. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And they just kind of like sit there on the couch and like the editors just like let them sit there for a second saying nothing. And I think we've all like been there. Anyone who's had a breakup has had that moment where you're kind of like, 
it feels wrong to just get up and go but also i kind of feel like there's nothing more to say and so here we are just like quietly weeping on our respective like ends mm-hmm. of this couch and looking down at the floor yeah yeah because usually even with the final two like the the breakups are so polished where the you know the protagonist comes in and you know says their bit and then says like can i walk you out and then they have a little nice polite goodbye they're in the limo and it's done like that's always how breakups go on this show basically yeah I thought Peter seemed this one was real. mad. Like, yeah. when they showed him backstage, they're like, we've got Peter backstage. He's going to come out and talk to Rachel. He was, like, squatting next to this, like, I don't know, stage prop, just shaking his head like, no, no. Like, I was like, this has to be fake. Like, like because they kept making it seem like anything could happen, you know? And I, I thought maybe, you know, he would come back and he would be like, I came back. I ran after her. And all this drama has been fake. You know, like, he's not... It seemed implausible to me that he'd be sitting backstage just shaking his head like, no, I don't want to talk to her. I guess I've never seen that, like you guys said, that level of actual emotion on this franchise. And as some of the recaps pointed out, those three guys' demeanors backstage were totally a spoiler, right? Like you could totally tell, you know, Peter was like sad. Eric was sort of like tight-lipped. And Brian was like, hello, (laughs) ready to come dancing on out whenever you call me, Chris. Loving life right now. Oh, but let's see what happens. I saw another tweet that said Brian was on a TV show called, like, Players or something. No. <laughs> and it was, like, a picture of him when he was way younger being, like, like crossing his arms and, like, wearing a baseball hat and, like, having a goatee or something. <laughs> so just from a TV perspective, what was your thought about the strategy of intercutting the playback of Rachel, like, choosing a winner with mm-hmm. Rachel live commenting on the episode? Didn't it kind of combine the, like, after the final rose into the finale? Is that what they were yeah, trying to do? I think... I think usually people watch the finale and then they don't watch after the final rose. You know, they don't watch that third hour of TV. And I think they, it was like, that's what I thought they were doing is trying to get us to stay for all three hours. I thought it sort of emotionally took me out of what was happening with her breakups, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like when you cut right from like this really emotional moment to her sitting on the couch, just looking totally composed. And, you know, it's like weeks later. I thought, well, it sort of, it it seemed to dilute the stakes a little bit, right? You were less in the moment and you were more removed from what was happening. Yeah, I think it kind of made me confused because it seemed like anything could happen. Like I thought maybe Peter would like, Roll back. We've, my dog just broke into the room and is wag, wagging her tail <laughs> We at have us. an intruder. <laughs> um, I thought maybe, like, Peter would come on and make an impassioned, like, plea for Rachel's heart. And it just ended up kind of being, uh, you know, nothing. So it was a little bit of... I, I heard Rachel hated it. Like, I heard she was like, no, I hated this format. I hated having to do it that way. And mm-hmm. I think it's unfair that I had to be the first one to do it because she had to go through so much bullshit this season. So. It did put a big damper on her finale, too, because, you know, you, they show the very emotional breakup with Peter and then the live reunion of her and Peter seeing each other, which, you know, no one was at their best in that moment. Um, and then and then it's like, and, and we get back, like, the proposal you've been waiting for. And no one was excited for it at that point. No one wanted Brian to win. And after you just saw all that with Peter, it was just like, I was like, I could turn the TV off right now. Like, 
It created this weird dialogue and culture. I I think if the episode had gone on as usual, you know, and if Peter hadn't left, it would have seemed obvious that she picked Brian, right? Because Brian was her favorite, like, all along. But her breakup with Peter was so intense that the dialogue coming out of it ended up being... Brian only won by default. She wanted to pick Peter, and she just picked Brian because he was still there. And I thought that was a little bit unfair because... Brian's kind of the no-brainer if you're like a betting a betting person cuz she's always like Brian the best. But maybe it maybe it wasn't her first choice at the end, you know, after what she went through with Peter. I'm not sure. It certainly played that way, right? I feel like you sometimes will see proposals that, you know, where the person is not who you would have picked or would have wanted, but rarely have you seen a proposal where you didn't dislike the winner, right? There was nothing that, you know, made you like hate Brian. Maybe you were mm-hmm. a little bored by him, if anything. But uh, after that big breakup with Peter, you're just kind of like, really? Really? Are you really that enthusiastic about Brian? Yeah. You always think about them rewatching it too, right? Think about like all the people who are in the show, especially the winner, right? Who's now supposedly going to be spending the rest of his life with The Bachelorette, watching this back. And, you know, what's going through Brian's mind when he's watching this super intense yeah. breakup with Peter, where obviously she was just <laughs> heartbroken. And then a few minutes later, okay, Brian, ready to go. Love you. Want to spend the rest of my life with you. Let's be happy. Good thing Brian's like super fake all the time because (laughs) that made him perfectly equipped to handle that because he's just like, yeah, I'm her man, like happily ever after. It's a fairy tale, dream woman. Like Mm -hmm. he just kind of has all these like sort of gumball dispenser like romantic phrases and that's how he sees the world and I don't know. He's very confident because of that, but what does he really think? I don't know. Well, and he played the show kind of the way you're supposed to play it, right? Like you early on, you say, I'm emotionally invested. I love you. I'm into it. You know, I'm ready to get married. Let's, you know, I I value you and I have no doubts about this. And he just kept hitting that. That was just his strategy the whole time. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. No doubts, no doubts, no doubts, no doubts, no doubts. And, you know, it paid off for him. Whereas Peter did what you're not supposed to do, which is express... Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you know, he didn't express doubts so much as doubts. He what his doubts were about were about like his personal readiness to propose, which is kind of an interesting angle. Do yeah. you think, on that note of what you were saying, like, I think Brian played played the show really well, and I think a lot of men, in particular, who maybe don't want to get engaged but do want fame or to be the next bachelor, they play it really well until the very end, right? And then there's maybe something they say maybe even privately in the fantasy suites to sabotage them being picked because they don't really want to get married. And then that is kind of the long game to become the next bachelor. And so I wonder in a way if Peter was doing that and then Rachel sabotaged him, right? When she was like, the process doesn't work for you. You can't get engaged on the show like this because it was her being like, you don't get to be the next bachelor after all this. I've heard a lot of people kind of criticized because I thought that like I liked Peter more for that for being like actually you know wanting to make this a real thing and not just a tv thing but so many other people have been like then why did he come on this show if you weren't going to get proposed on tv I mean Rachel said that multiple times (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. she kept saying like did you not like understand this is how this is going to work Mm -hmm. yeah I think it shows how culture has changed because people were like that was completely reasonable of him 
you know, like people want to delay marriage. People want to take their time on marriage. But maybe 10 years ago, if that had happened, people would have been like, get with it, Peter. Like, I don't know. I wonder if, if like I was kind of happy about the response to this. It felt very like mature, like the cultural response in that sense. So do you think so? Do you think Peter will be the next Bachelor? And if he is, would they make him the Bachelor? Would the drama of that season then be, you know, will Peter get to a place where he can propose? Or would they sort of make him say at the beginning, okay, (laughs) I'm now, I know know I'm going to be ready. It's like how Ben Higgins' drama was that he was afraid he was unlovable. (laughs) And they like played that up to make, to have some kind of drama. Yeah, I, I don't, think peter's gonna be the next bachelor i don't know rachel sabotaged him the process might not work for him and he's a little boring do you think he could carry a season especially after nick's season was so boring i think so i feel like eric some funny glimpses yeah yeah i guess i feel like eric has more of a sparkling personality Ooh, and then he called (laughs) her a girl from the hood i cringed so hard at that remember that oh yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Eric maybe has more dynamism to like keep a season going. Mm-hmm. Well, and he'd have his own drama too around whether he is like ready for a marriage relationship, which was the narrative with Rachel, right? She was, you know, her like doubt she would always express about him is he's never been in such a serious relationship. You know, is he really ready to settle down? Yeah. So they both have good angles. Or um, it, it could be a wild card. You know, it could be like someone was proposing, what if Ben Higgins was the bachelor again? Oh, or yeah, then you'd he, have to go on, Caroline. I think he wrote a blog about that on his new blog, Mahogany Workplace. Oh, my God. Does, is his blog like <laughs> rivaling Lauren's blog? Doesn't she have a lifestyle Probably blog, too? It's like a men's version of hers. That sounds exactly Probably. like a men's version of her blog. Oh, I have to say, um, Becky, to your point with, the watch and how that was like a secret sign oh yes like nick had with his yellow bracelet with yes Vanessa. i was listening to the episode of ben and ashley eyes podcast um and they had eric on and eric said the same thing he was really? like when when uh rachel gave brian that watch we all were like oh damn like she's like marking her territory yes yes it is they She's have like to wristbanding have him yeah <laughs> like a festival <laughs> yep i think so and that just proves brian was still her first choice deep down yeah which is what i think i still think they're gonna break up though do you guys think they're gonna stay together no <laughs> no doubt 100 percent. that that is that is not if it lasts i mean i've been surprised before yeah. but rarely by the longevity of bachelor spawned relationships Mm -hmm. i think rachel's super infatuated with brian and she probably likes having sex with him (laughs) but does she really like him i don't know i don't know if it really is gonna stand the test of time what do you think Mm -hmm. caroline um i don't know this whole time because i you know i wasn't rooting for peter or i wasn't rooting for brian i don't think many of us were but i'm like i just gotta give it I got to give Rachel credit. Like, she's obviously doing what she thinks is best for her. And I feel like we all shouldn't, as you know, as all viewers, be like, oh, she picked the wrong person. Like, Yeah. I like to be optimistic about their relationships, I suppose. I feel like sex with Brian would involve a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing Which so is- well. I'm loving this. I, I love it when you do that. <laughs> 
you 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 have such a great body. I'm really enjoying this. That sounds nice. Like everyone <laughs> should be like that. Maybe uh, that's the key to getting picked. Affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think Rachel's living her life of mediocrity, as Peter accused her of, and then forgot he said. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then when she came back on live TV saying, "I'm living my best life," after Chris said. Like we're like well more once we get back from the commercial and Rachel was like well I'm living my best life it was like ooh deal with it Peter there's feelings here who has yeah. a life of mediocrity now well okay should we move on to more fun topics like Bachelor in Paradise yeah let's talk about B I P since we're here in Paradise yeah. by which I mean Becky's house yeah. Chris Harrison free. We should be drinking our rosé out of like a coconut or like a pineapple. With oh a my god, served by you know? Wells. Okay, first yeah, let's okay. talk about Wells, let's the talk bartender. About Wells. I was I've to been talk wanting about Wells. to like text you about that, but then I forgot to. There's a there's a movement on Twitter to have him be the next bachelor. <gasps> oh my god, that could be the wild card. He'd be like I, the alternative bachelor. <laughs> I like literally just clutched my heart when, <laughs> yeah. when you said that because that's did. such a good idea. Wells has an amazing personality. But he's with someone, right? Which is why he's supposedly like off limits oh, as bachelor, as a bartender on Bachelor in Paradise. But I why didn't so. he? I follow him on Snapchat. Can I, and I never see any. Am I allowed to put spoilers in this podcast that you guys, since you guys aren't all caught up? I, yeah, because so. he it. makes out with Danielle on Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, blonde Danielle. Friend? Yeah, they've been like friends forever. They try to make it. They try to make it like a thing. Like, oh, will they finally hook up? You know, because they've always had a crush on each other. I think it's really fake. I don't think they actually like each other, um, but he does make out with her. Because so, they would have already made out like before either of them had been on the show. Yeah. So they they were like friends in Nashville before either of them got into this world. I think it. Yeah, I think they're both just going along with it to you know have a plot line. I don't yeah. think they really like each other. I don't know why they wouldn't like each other. They're both like really likable and attractive, but I don't think they do for some reason. Hmm. I Who like knows? that. It's like a plot complication in bachelor in paradise to have wells be the bartender but ladies sorry he's not you know he's not eligible or whatever you know this is not about him but then of course it becomes about him yeah what's it it's great because then he can be on every season of bachelor in paradise yes it's just too bad that if this is like going to be like the plot development of bachelor in paradise it couldn't have been jorge jorge's (laughs) still kind of around He he still makes appearances do you think jorge made out with anyone Oh, maybe like someone on the production staff. Yeah. There's a lot of people around for Jorge to make out with if he really wants. Yeah. And all the more so now that he has his, he's he's leaving to start his tour, his, a tour business, right? Oh, yeah. Jorge's tours That's or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. And our next podcast will be on location in Mexico. Oh, man. Oh, Jorge yeah. would be the perfect first guest to yeah. have. That would okay, be amazing. That. So I think this season of Bachelor in Paradise, let's put talk about the you know the scandal uh later but i think other than that it's been really good i think a lot of the people who we got to know a little bit are there and we're getting to know them more like uh raven has really kind of stood out as this personality huge personality like three guys are fighting over her she controls the narrative she's kind (laughs) of the narrator out of everyone there and she's like super funny and she keeps everyone really real and I've definitely gotten to see why she was Nick's number two mm-hmm. and why maybe she could have been a good bachelorette um, from her presence on Bachelor in Paradise so far. 
Yeah, it's it's a better show than The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. It is. <laughs> because it's like you you don't have all this like heavy weighty together for the rest of our lives, and then inevitably the drama among the men, the drama among the women. That what's don't I don't know what's happening at the house, right? Bachelor in Paradise, everybody knows what's happening everywhere with everyone all the time, and it, it makes for a more fun mix. Yeah, and there's more chemistry, right? There's more people who can have these love connections. What do you guys think of the Taylor and Derek hookup? I saw a picture of that, and I was honestly very surprised. But He, like, went right for Taylor. Like, it's like he Whoa. came there for her, and maybe, he really likes her. Yeah, maybe they had met each other off of the beach before, and then... I mean, it's nice. They're both very likable. And there's always got to be one of those on Bachelor in Paradise, right? There's always that couple who, like, immediately hook up together. And, and they're together until the end. Vacation. And then, I mean, in, like, from a TV standpoint, perfect world is they then have, like, a dramatic breakup. Like we saw with the new, um, who do we just watch get married in this season? Of oh, Bachelor Carly. Carly, right. That, yeah. that Carly breakup, right? That's that, Actually, Carly has been, like, involved in, like, some of, like, the best plot lines ever on Bachelor in Paradise, right? Because she had that dramatic breakup. And then she had the thing with Evan, right? Where they had the super awkward date and she's like talking trash about him on camera. And then they end up falling in love. It was totally like a taming of the shrew kind of situation with Carly and Evan. Like they didn't want to like each other, but they did. Well, Evan always did, but you know, she fell in love in spite of herself. Is that now going to happen with Raven and her boring one-on-one? Oh, well, well, Raven's got like three guys after her. You know what's funny is the two guys we didn't really get to know from Rachel's season who like kind of seem like throwaway guys, Matt and Adam, are like the hunks. Or at least Adam. Like Adam has like a bunch of girls after him on Bachelor in Paradise. He's like got Raven likes him. Sarah likes. Remember Sarah, the one who like ran up to Nick? She was like really cute. Um, And then Matt has his connection with um, Jasmine. So they're actually like some kind of the alpha males in Bachelor in Paradise. So you get to see a little bit more why Rachel liked them so much. Yeah, I remember in Men Tell All, um, they talked about that. Like Rachel specifically said something about Matt and Adam and how like the world didn't really get to see them. And that was such a shame. How did Adam end up bringing little Adam on the show? (laughs) He brings it to Paradise. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've seen Little Adam yet. There's just a, like a <laughs> shot where a he, little passport. <laughs> he like goes to bed and then they like zoom in on the creepy doll, like <laughs> on one of the bunks. Yeah. That's another great thing about Bachelor in Paradise. You really see people sort of like redeemed from their characters, right? Like Nick, you know, Santa is redeemed. The dolphin yes. is redeemed. Adam is redeemed from Little Adam. Yeah. Even the Canadian apparently does well <laughs> this season. Well, uh, Jasmine, it's one thing that's interesting to me is Jasmine, when she kind of left Nick's season, she went on her thing about like wanting to choke Nick. Remember that? Yeah. And that's kind of become her like calling card on this franchise. <laughs> like, you know, the little like credit credit reel where they show each person. She's like strangling a, a cameraman. And then like whenever she's mad at Matt, she's like, I'm going to choke you. Or whenever <laughs> like she pisses him off, she's like, you're going to choke me. And I'm like. I guess I don't exactly know what that means. Like, do you guys have... Emotionally? Like, I... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what she's, like, representing. Um, yeah. It's something... Maybe it's something she just said once, and it was on national TV, and all of a sudden it became her calling card. Yeah. Yeah. Or she's proud of her, like, kinky thing, you know? So... What would be... if, If you two were on Bachelor in Paradise, what would you do in the opening credits? 
Ooh, that's fun to think about. I would definitely be eating chicken fingers, I think. Um, maybe like a uh, cannonball. Oh, <laughs> that. that's a fun idea. <laughs> what would you do? That's a good question. Because like, the, the question is like, what would be like the stupid thing that you said or did once and then that like gets associated yeah. with you mm-hmm. forever? I I feel like a thing that I like try not to own but kind of do end up getting associated with is eating a lot. Oh, <laughs> like, you're I can, dead. Like I can you know, like, my, my friend's uh, parents came to... Uh, have dinner with us once when I was in grad school and went to this Mexican restaurant and they looked at me and they're like, so Jay, we hear you eat a whole quesadilla by yourself. <laughs> what? And like, that's oh, not that that's much. not that much food. <laughs> well, these are very big quesadillas at this restaurant, but I, I, oh. I, I hadn't really wanted to be like the guy who like is always eating, but that it, it would be, it would be something like that. Yeah, like a, you'd be like, like Chad. Put like dumping my face into a quesadilla or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I or like Josh, didn't happen. Josh kind of have the thing with the pizza where he was always like, oh yeah, <laughs> eating tons of pizza. Yeah, it's... I feel like the most awkward like person's um, like opening sequence in this season of Bachelor in Paradise is who gets chased by the pizza. Oh, Amanda. But then they like black out the like face and arms of the pizza person to make it look like an anonymous like person in a pizza costume, but it just looks terrifying well i think that's their like allusion to her relationship with josh because like everyone knows the reason why it didn't work is because he was like really controlling and possessive but he also was like really into pizza and really sweaty Mm -hmm. and so like when she talks about why she broke up with him she's like yeah he was sweaty but later on she says like i don't like possessive men i've just learned that so she kind of there's like two layers so you're supposed to picture josh in that pizza. Yeah, it's he like she can't get away from her. him and his just general greasiness, yes. which is kind of apt because I always, I've been a major Josh hater. Um, I think actually, who's the guy on the new season? Ben, is that his name? Who um, is obsessed with his dog? That The one who was, he was going after um, Raven. I think I might be kind of typecast as someone like that who like talks way too much about my dog or something. So I related oh, to I, that. I thought Chris, I saw, um, man, I, I follow Wells on Twitter and he retweets some of the others. So he retweeted Christina who was saying like, why, why, do, why is loving your dog a bad thing? Yeah. I <laughs> feel like, like I he's think been, that sounds like the best thing. He's been maligned for that a little too much in editing. I have to say the Christina plotline so far on Paradise has been one of the most interesting. And I just feel for her so much because Dean kind of like, you know, he falls for her and then he like gets cold feet and he does his Dean immature thing, you know, where he's like, "Ooh, I'm just going to not talk to you. And whenever you confront me, I'm just going to giggle and like back away slowly. And poor Christina just like she's been suffering so much. And I just, I don't know. I hope something good happens for her because she's so cute and she's mm-hmm. so cool. I feel like I wanted to have sympathy for Dean coming out of Rachel's season because obviously, you know, he had a challenging personal situation with his family and everything. But then, like, he comes right out and he's like, you know, I was kind of thinking Christine and I maybe would, like, get along because we both had tough childhoods. I'm like, yes, Dean, you did have a tough childhood, tougher than mine or probably anyone's at this table. She literally was reduced to eating lipstick. Yeah, Totally. So he should he should tread carefully with her. And then he the second Danielle L comes on, he's like physical attractive for 100 and then he just like runs away from Christina and I get it like Danielle L's like really hot. Like I know I know Neil like follows her on Instagram and like he loves her. But like isn't her laugh terrible? Like I remember on Nick's season <laughs> it always seemed like she was 
fake laughing her like yeah she, she's like a seinfeld character you know where like you meet her and you see her and you're like she is amazing in every way and then she has like that one fatal flaw where you're just like oh if only like she didn't have that terrible fake laugh yeah she would be a real catch so, so this could be a transition to talking about the controversy of the season of Bachelor in paradise yeah. because something that came up in the Christina Dean relationship is that he basically had a hometown with her because the show went on hiatus. Yes. So that that like adds to the drama surrounding like their relationship because like he went out of his way to like go back home with her when the show was on hiatus. And they're really transparent about all the kind of ways that these relationships have been seeded off camera and like outside of the show, which is cool. But yeah, so my coworker Sandy has a um, theory that the whole Corinne um, DeMario thing was just made up by the producers from the get go to cause drama because they've they have like seriously embraced it, like they've taken it, they've not apologized for it. Well, you told me owned all it. about it. So <laughs> this is like what I needed. I was like, I need people to start watching Bachelor in Paradise like for me and tell me if it's okay. You know, like peek through the door before I go through it. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so maybe like, start with like, all handled? maybe like explain it in the order that like the world found out what was happening. So first these headlines break that Bachelor in Paradise has stopped filming back, you know, before it started airing when they were still filming and it was very unclear as to what had happened or why, but it quickly became apparent that something had happened between Corinne and DeMario that caused one or more producers to have concerns that led them to stop filming. Yeah. And then the headlines started coming out and they, they like showed DeMario on the last episode, like crying about a headline that said, Oh, you know, the story got out of control, like a game of telephone. Right. And the story had become, Oh, DeMario and Corinne were making out in the hot tub. She passed out. He proceeded to sexually assault her while she was passed out. A woman ran in to try to help her and a producer stopped them so they could keep filming. And he's like, he, he just thought like, oh, that's really kind of through the grapevine become really terrible. And that like made him cry. And um, actually, so what happened was the third party said something. And apparently neither he nor Corinne were the ones who came forward. Um, and it got to the point where Raven and I think Jasmine came forward and felt like they needed to defend Demario's name because they felt like the way the narrative got away was partly driven by um, racism or people not being okay with interracial hookup on the show and sort of like typecasting DeMario as this predator. And uh, Raven said herself, like, I'm a victim of rape or uh, sexual assault and I've had to come forward and I really don't, I hope this doesn't become a situation where like this played out and it seemed like she was lying and then people are slut shaming her and it keeps people from coming forward about their own sexual assault. So it's kind of, it's kind of complicated, right? Cause my stance is usually like, just believe the woman who's accusing someone because there's no real incentive to accuse someone of sexually assaulting you. It's not like you get a prize. It's not like you get positive attention. You just get harassed and you get slut shamed and maybe your house gets burned down. Um, but apparently Corinne, wasn't necessarily the one coming out saying anything. That's what they're saying. Um, well, because if she was extremely drunk or passed out, she, I mean, her memories, it sounds like she has not a lot of memory of what even happened that night. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. All the other cast members were like, we were there. It was fine. Like, we're not even sure what happened. So it's it's like one of two situations, right? Where Corinne really, wa- Corinne really was assaulted and then something happened and then she was silenced by, you know, the man or the power or whatever. And then she was incentivized into re- retracting her original claim. And then it went away, which is probably what happens in a lots of sexual assault claims. Or the producers kind of started some drama about what happened. Nothing serious really did happen, but the show embraced it as kind of a uh, unreal type drama thing that they could own and set up in order to create a narrative about sexual assault and create a narrative about how black men are perceived um, related to sexual situations with white women, which is kind of what it, how it ended up playing out in the dialogue they created out of it. So... They all sit around and they say, you know, how did race play into this? When is, what does consent mean? When do you consent? Is consent verbal? They showed that on the show? Yeah, yeah. they're all talking about it. And they're like, you have to consent the whole way through the sexual encounter. If you change your mind like midway through, they don't have consent. And if you're drunk, here's how consent works. And I'm not going to say it's like a perfect conversation, but like they do have an interesting conversation it's, yeah, so Chris Harrison has a sit-down with all the returning cast members oh. on the beach. And they even it's even overcast for this conversation, which you notice because it's never overcast in Paradise. But for this conversation, it's almost like they they like cued the clouds to move in front of the sun or they waited until it was overcast to do this. Yeah, but you know, it, and it, yeah, it's, so, it's so dicey because obviously racism is a very real, very real issue, but it's also in the show's advantage to emphasize that aspect of it, right? And, uh, and versus emphasizing the, you know, the sexual assault that may have happened here, you know? Yeah, apparently Corinne's going to be on next week, you know, to share her side of the story. So oh, is she? it'll be interesting to see how that played out. But uh, DeMario came and he kind of, you know, he demonstrated a lot of emotion about it. And Raven was there Raven and Jasmine were like, he did nothing wrong and we need to clear his name because it's going to like affect his entire life just because of this weird drama the show like stirred up. So I don't know. I honestly don't know like what to what to say about it. I don't know what to think. Well, so the show (laughs) seems to be they seem to be very confident that legally they're in the clear having the based on like available evidence and this obviously was all on camera right so they've got they've got that evidence and they had apparently some kind of third party came in but anyway they got to the point where by the time they decided to resume filming and then certainly by the time they were starting to broadcast the episodes and promote this season of bachelor in paradise they are completely confident that as chris harrison very precisely put it in the recap with the cast members no cast member acted i don't know if he used the word illegally or illicitly or inappropriate or something Hmm. well on the set right which felt like very like legally is like we are confident that we cannot be held liable for you know this kind of behavior that happened didn't they do their own investigation though that's like the one thing that like is a red flag to me it's like the network itself carried out the investigation and obviously they're not like an impartial third party so that to me was like oh this could be another situation where something really did happen and they kind of swept it under the rug so i don't know i don't know but they had they end up having a good dialogue about it at least so should i watch it yeah yep i think if that's what you're anxious about uh coming into the season like if you're 
if you're not wanting to give it your view because you don't support what happened having that one that one uh hulu play is really gonna make a big difference it's also you just watch it on my account and i've already ABC. seen it so it's it's gonna not matter <laughs> yeah that's true the producers are all watching your hulu account is this show gonna come back next yeah. season the becky profile has watched it but the caroline has not <laughs> yeah what does hmm. it mean? how do we get that viewer honestly that's up to you though like i don't want to tell people who have opinions about sexual assault or who who have maybe experienced it like how to interpret this because it's a complex thing and mm-hmm. I don't really know. So do you? I'll think about it. Yeah, do you? I'll touch base again once Corinne comes on next week. Yes, you could jump in there. Mm-hmm. So okay. So any other thoughts about Bachelor in Paradise before we talk about the Nick and Vanessa situation? Let's talk about the Nick and Vanessa situation. This broke like last night. I think it was. I can't last believe night. It. it. It just broke to me like when you came right over before we started recording. Nick and Vanessa, R.I.P. They're not dead, but (laughs) (laughs) their love love has (laughs) run its course. Yeah, they ended their engagement, and they tried to make it work, but it could not, which is like the least surprising thing anyone has ever heard, right? Yeah. Just waiting for it to happen, basically. My hot take is that Vanessa should date Peter, because they're oh. both really hot and smart and a little bit too serious. And I think they could create like some really bombshell, really serious, kind of boring children together. Yeah. And they would be realistic about where they want to live. Because that was like as awful, awful, awful as who's the Iowa bachelor? Oh, oh. Chris. Who's, Chris, Chris, who's now killed a man with a tractor. <laughs> Oh, killed a man on a tractor with a car. Anyway, the point is, he's awful. But the one thing that was like refreshing about that season was that he was very forthright. I live in Iowa. I'm a farmer. Yeah. I'm not going to move. And so that kind of became part of the conversation for every relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, are you willing to move to Iowa to be with Chris? Well, and Peter lives in Madison, so he could be a little closer to Vanessa's family. They could more easily go between... Where's she from? Montreal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could, yeah. you know, go be, between Montreal and Madison and make it work. I'm not... I'm seriously... This could happen. Like, they all talk to each other. They all hit on each other. It's true. Yeah. So, um, it's not It's not beyond possibility. Nick just wanted to touch more butts. Nick's such He's a... He's like, there's so many more butts out there to touch in the world. I'm not done yet. That's so true. That would be his, uh, if he went on Paradise for, what, a third time, that should be his opening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's like his claim now, claim to fame. You have a smirk, Jay. What are you <laughs> thinking? I, I, I didn't know. Did Nick say something about touching butts? No, but he just always does. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We should make that meme He's to promote this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just like a, a picture of Nick yeah. like looking soulfully off into the distance, and the caption <laughs> yeah. is... So many butts to touch. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Vanessa has a nice butt. So if he couldn't settle down with her butt, I don't think any butt's gonna be enough for him. Yeah. Well, he's in LA now, so I think there are a lot of butts yes. for him to, uh, with consent, touch. <laughs> I think he and Brian, like if Rachel and Brian break up, Nick and Brian could become like wingmen for each other, uh, like out on the scene as like late 30-something dudes who just don't want to settle down, but are willing to like act like they do. Like they I, could open a club together. I feel yeah. like Nick would like to hang out with Wells, but Wells is too cool for him. So Nick would end up hanging out with Brian. They both have curly hair. That's about the only thing they really have in common. 
Well, and they're both a little indie, right? I mean, Wells is a DJ, and Nick Nick is like the alt bachelor, right? He's kind of like he interested. Was. He's like the guy who listens to Arcade Fire. I thought Nick was going to be an alt bachelor, but he kind of disappointed me in that sense. Because he got buff. He, yeah, you know? he just became a regular. He started hunk. lifting weights. Okay. His season was boring, which was like, which is surprising because he was supposed to be like the quirky guy, and you, I mean, he's screen tested. He's been on like yeah. basically every season of The Bachelor for the last five years. And his cast was the best. All those women were awesome. Yeah, but yeah, he just turned into a zero once he, he he's a supporting character. That's that's what happened. Like mm-hmm. they elevated the supporting character to the lead role, and he couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I think I think Nick. speaks girl very well you know like i think he knows how to gossip and he know he's very like emotionally intelligent in some ways and i think that his kind of tragedy is he gets a little friend zoned uh because of that and that maybe that's what made him a little bit more of a boring bachelor is because his like ability to gossip came off as depth but it was actually just kind of nosiness or busybodiness i don't know been there (laughs) (laughs) kind of like our friend uh iggy wait iggy or diggy iggy is the gossip iggy is the iggy iggy is the gossip guy yeah yes diggy is great love diggy was so glad to see him back on bachelor in paradise yes diggy gets his chance at love dude diggy's smoking hot i don't get why rachel did not give him the time of day i could imagine him wearing a a swimsuit but also still wearing a bow tie yes (laughs) That's about yeah. right. You should try that lookout. He's, and he's not even the guy who showed up in Paradise with a suitcase full of swimsuits. Oh, like Robbie Barf. Diggy's very, like, not forward with women. Like, he wants permission. He wants he wants to know he's invited in in every sense. And maybe that's why Rachel didn't like him is because she likes really handsy men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to know he's invited in in every sense. He's like a vampire, but like a vampire of... of spectacular levels of consent <laughs> in that sense i think i've been thinking lately here's a weird theory not oh this sounds amazing that i'm working on and because we can't record an episode of this podcast without talking about chad <laughs> i miss chad our favorite um, villain um from the bachelors bachelorettes um so i follow him on snapchat and usually he's posting all of the time but then, like, at the beginning of the summer, he was like, I'm going back to o- Oklahoma with Pumpkin, that his dog that he inherited from his mom after she passed away. Going back to Oklahoma with Pumpkin, and then I'm going out of town. That's, like, what he said. And he's been gone for, like, <gasps> over a month, which... He's going to be on Paradise, is what you're saying. Well, I feel like he's been gone too long for Paradise. And so I'm even thinking bigger, my true reality love survivor... <laughs> Which Chad I know is net, I know it's network hopping because Survivor is um, CBS, but I don't know. I think he's doing he's doing some long term thing. I, I hope another so. Show. He's great TV. I don't think he'll he survive long though because he's too hungry and drunk, Ooh, that's and true. he's probably gonna poop his pants for sure. <laughs> I, I would rather see Chad back in Paradise than Lucas. Who's Lucas? Isn't wasn't Lucas the racist? Oh, Lee. 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 Yeah. Sorry, Lucas. I didn't mean to malign you. I don't, who's, I don't even know who Lucas is. Uh, yeah, Lee can just fuck off forever, basically. And he probably will. He'll go, like, date Tommy Lauren or however you say her name or whatever. Yeah. Although the franchise does get very... It's, it, it, it gets, like, very, like, 
finger waggy with Lee, which is appropriate. Lee should have all the fingers wagged at him, but they're kind of in a glass house. <laughs> yeah, they perpetuated it for sure. And he gets his moment of apology, which is total bullshit. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, I love you. I love you, man. Like, I'm a religious guy. I love you. I can't have hate in my heart or whatever. And that kind of finishes that way. But no, yeah. you're hateful racist, Lee. Fuck As off. an editor, I apologize for the mixed metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. We have two things to accomplish still. The Rosé um, Award for Drunkest Contestant. I hate, since I haven't watched Bachelor in Paradise, do you want to take a, just, um, you know, assign that award to someone from Paradise? Sure. So I think the, the drunkest person was Nick, right? St. Nick. Because he tried to talk oh, to yeah. Jasmine and, and he, he was really going after Jasmine and she was like, let's talk tomorrow. You're too drunk to talk to me. Ah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. And it was even like, honestly, like as being too drunk goes... That was pretty. That was a pretty good way to go because he didn't really do anything offensive or shocking or embarrassing, except just be drunk. <laughs> you know, he, he was having a hard time talking, but what he was saying was, for the most part, pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's just it, very drunk. Yeah. It's not like Jasmine herself wasn't buzzed, like yeah. pretty buzzed. So mm-hmm. he was just like, you know, maybe Mohit level drunk. Yeah, R. a R. little P. bit sweaty. We before we started recording, we have formed a really hopeful theory that Mohit would be the next Bachelor. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yes. I really think Rachel didn't give him a chance. I thought he was charming. It's it's tough when you when you, when you when you get that drunk in like the first cocktail party. It's your that's that's a that's disqualifying. In his defense, I think that he probably just doesn't drink that much yeah. and it got away from him be. because he's not super familiar with alcohol. I don't Could know. Be. That's my that's my assumption because he seemed kind of like a stand-up guy in some other ways. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Rose- and we have our final rosé report for the rosé that we've been drinking while recording this. Um, but also the rosé that we drink, you know, just throughout our lives. Is this the first rosé in a box? That's it been is. reviewed on this podcast? It is. Yep. We're drinking the Black Box Rosé. Um, fairly new. I think it came out this summer. It is Darcy Olstead's fave. Shout out. Darcy Olstead being Caroline's mom <laughs> and Becky's that, mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. You can revisit the episode that they were on, giving us their mom insights. Um, what, are you, what, are, what are your insights on this rosé? Well, you know, I think it's cool and crisp and refreshing and a real value. It has a watermelony taste that's kind of nice. Mm. You know, I hadn't thought that until you said it as I was taking a sip. And spot on, Becky. Kind of like on. if you dissolved nice. a Jolly Rancher in vodka. Mm. Yeah, but maybe a little better than that. <laughs> Vodka's kind of gross. I would uh, say this is very drinkable. Like, you could chug this if you wanted to. You could bring it on um, a river tubing trip and take it out of the box so it's just the bag. Oh, yeah. Pass it around and it floats and stuff. That would be perfect. You've done that, haven't you? What? No. I'm totally (laughs) making this up out of nowhere. Uh Uh, Yeah, just like like straight like nozzle pouring into your mouth. You don't even need a glass for this. If I was a country artist, I would write and record a song called Pass the Bladder. (laughs) Yeah. No, that could make you a lot of money, Jay. I seriously think it could. Kind of like Red Solo Cup made Toby Keith. In the ears of those of us who don't listen to loud Toby Keith otherwise. Let's sell it to Kara Nesvig and make her a star, a country star. Yeah. Did Toby Keith sing that song or am I getting that confused? You're asking the wrong crowd. 
Well, anyway, whoever sings Red Solo uh, yeah, Cup, Garth, that's a great song. I don't know, Dolly Parton? Pass the bladder. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, so uh, definitely a good rosé to go out on, I think, for this sh- very short season of the rosé ceremony. All right, catch us for the next Bachelor. We don't know who will be. Maybe we'll do a couple episodes. All right, thanks for listening to the rosé ceremony. Bye. Bye. Ciao.